reflections on teaching a class about board games and religion. On this episode of Board Game Faith, the bi-weekly podcast exploring the intersection of religion, spirituality, and board games. Welcome, everybody. We're so glad to have you on episode 25 of Board Game Faith, teaching board games and religion or or reflections on teaching board games and religion. My name is Daniel Hilty. And my name is Kevin Taylor. Special guest today. So excited. Thanks for having me on, Daniel. You know what, Kevin? It is an honor. This this I got to say, recording with you is always a privilege and an honor and a joy. But it's like it's like this is a double a double gift, a double blessing, because not only are you the co-host, you're also the special guest. Oh, my gosh. It's awesome. And it was easy to set up a time to record. Yeah, and we I have, have to figure something out. No, we we had we we were just want to go with the regular time, and um, <laughs> I, we didn't have to go through the introductory emails about hey we're uh-uh. a, we're a podcast about religion and board games and you just kind of knew it. Listen to yeah. us. Here's yeah yeah. So thanks for agreeing to be on the show, Kevin. Oh, you're welcome. It's it's glad to take some time out of my day for this. Well, you're I think awesome. What you guys are doing a great. I just want to support you. Thank you. Oh, well, it all goes to my co-host. He's 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 fantastic. <laughs> where is he? I don't know where 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 he is. I think he's probably he's probably on an, on a guest on a podcast. He's because he's in high demand. <laughs> he's in high demand. It's like Inception. He's a guest on a podcast that is this podcast. that's in a podcast. It's in a guest. It's in a podcast. It's I wish he could be here because he really asks the great questions. Oh yeah. So you're going yeah, to be stuck with know. the the B level questions. This this. Um, so we're gonna, for example. Um, do you use, uh, metric or, um, Fahrenheit or Celsius? I personally have created my own system of measurements and weights. Oh, the Kevin system. So Is this the Kelvin scale? Is this the Kelvin scale? <laughs> when you drive, whatever speed I'm driving is the correct speed. And whatever distance I think it is, it's just fine. And whatever temperature I want the food to be at is the correct. So it's basically binary. It's one or zero. It's e- okay, one okay. is correct and zero is everyone else. So they're going too slow or too fast. I like it. And I, like I like it. it. I feel good about it. I don't see any problems with that. Yeah, one I- is this reflects the heart of Kevin. Zero is <laughs> this is contrary to the heart of Kevin. It's like that- pass fail. I'm pass failing my entire life. <laughs> And everything I'm doing, like Homer Simpson said, Marge, nothing. I don't think it, hang on, Marge, I don't think I've ever done anything wrong. So, <laughs> so Homer just, yeah, everything is, whatever I'm doing is J-O-K. There are, poor, there are poor some, Marge. well, it is a Kevin universe and uh, <laughs> I am honored to be um, traipsing through it for, for a little oh. while this hour. Um, and speaking of pass fail, we are talking this week about a, not that it's a pass-fail class, but a class, a class that, that you is. taught, uh, that you are currently teaching um, mm-hmm. um, about board games and religion. So let me, let me introduce our guest today, if, if I may, Kevin, if you don't mind me taking, well, I can introduce him and then you could introduce him too. But uh, our guest today is uh, Reverend Dr. Kevin Taylor. Um, um, in the beginning, in the beginning, there was a dream there, there was a dream, and that dream was Kevin Taylor, and and now, now it's come to pass. Now he just um, needs a backup band. That's right. So, um, so uh, if you've listened to the podcast before, you know already that um, uh, Kevin is a great guy, and um, that he is a an ordained United Methodist pastor, ordained Christian pastor. Happens to be United Methodist, as, as do I. We're both pastors, but we're doing our best. We're, we're trying. We're, yeah, but the, yeah, please. But um, in addition to that, Kevin is also um, a professor, um, holds a PhD, and teaches at Pfeiffer University in North Carolina. And so this past semester, Kevin, you had this really delightful idea, wonderful idea of teaching a new kind of class, a brand new class. And why don't we start off with, if you don't mind, please just tell us a little bit about 
describe this class for us. Where did the idea come from? What were your hopes for it? What What did you want to try to accomplish with this class? Yeah, well, what I wanted to do was to explore some of the things this podcast has done and and get myself thinking, you know, because teaching gets you thinking and learning. And we have these classes called special topics, which are kind of wild card classes. And and I've used that before to, and others have done that as, as a way to explore a particular topic and things. So it just, it made sense to slot it in there and to do, I think I called it board game, or no, I just called it game theory and religion. Okay. To try okay. to make it sound a little more, um, or a little less like we would just play board games the right. whole time. Right. Although right. actually, in truth, we do play a fair amount of board games. Right. Because you got Game Lab, which I want to hear about. I'm so yeah. I think this is so exciting. Well, I mean, you know, it's one of those things like you, you've got to try them out. You can't just talk about it. So if you're going to take a class on lifeguarding, you're going to have to get in the pool, right? And if you're going to take a class on biology, you're going to have to cut open a pig or a frog or something at some point. So there was... I wanted to them to experience some things which they really hadn't. Interestingly, they all like games, but except for maybe Secret Hitler or Happy Salmon and Uno Monopoly, they really hadn't played anything else. So this was a new territory for them. Well, because not- they're 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 kind of you know they're the college kids. They they'll spend five bucks on a frappuccino, but they don't really buy board games. Yeah, so they're stra- yeah. they're strange creatures, really. Well, well, that brings up something I wanted to ask about. Yeah, so. What yeah? What sort of students did take signed up for this class? Were they primarily was it primarily more out of interest in the religion side, or primarily more interested in the game side? Or and it sounds like it's they, more of the religion. And it's a small class. There's only five students, so that actually sure. worked really well because that there's a lot of games that are five persons, so I could not play and let them play, or maybe they oh, team right, up to play. Right. Good, so if, if you'd, I'd had more than that, I would have had to have two sets or them doing different things at the same time. So in some ways that 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 was a serendipitous arrangement. Okay. But the, of the five, four are either religion majors or gonna do the minor. But we also, there's, there's so many tricks in, in education world. We cross-listed it so it could count either as the religion or as a junior seminar oh, that they're required to take. So Which that kind of encourages more people to take it. So okay. I think the one okay. student is taking it maybe as a junior seminar. Okay, okay. So the, the third year of college, they're, they're supposed to take something. Right, it's kind of right. A, so you didn't have sounds like you didn't have students coming in with a lot of with a lot of prior knowledge about hobby board games. This kind of I didn't. Yeah, I did. really and they're cool. all really great. I mean, yeah, I really yeah. I wondered because it wouldn't take one or two to really disrupt the class, but they're all very interested and they're they're good. It's That's a so great cool. experience. Yeah, That's no, so cool. It's really nice. Really so, nice. did you have? Um, did did you have to make a pretty strong pitch? If I may ask, I don't I don't know how this works in the, in colleges and universities. When you when you have an idea for a new class, do you kind of have to like sell it to the department or or to the dean or somebody to say, hey, it was so that's the trick with special. Again, it's sort of the magic of a special topic class that yeah. we don't. Okay. It's really okay. up to us. Okay. I mean, I think if your chair or dean really didn't like it, they could stop it. But but it's not a formal class you're recommending for the curriculum it's sort of this wild card class and you can do what you want pretty much okay okay so so the other concern is that there's enough students in it they don't want you just teaching one or a a class with one or two students if they can help it because it's kind of a waste of resources right right sure sure so um so they and even fives arguably a little small but the in general uh, you know COVID caused so many weird things for higher ed that a lot of the classes are leaning smaller this year, probably smaller than administration wants them. Mm-hmm. In general, still, um, still recovering from the yeah. The COVID there's hit. a group that really uh, has disappeared, and and of course higher ed these are ripples. COVID was what was it two and a half three years ago, and this is the group that was coming to college at that very time. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. So you have so you so you you come with a name for the class, uh, game theory and religion. Mm-hmm. You got five students signed up. So then uh, you you shared with me the syllabus for this class, which looks amazing. But if you mind just talking a little bit about what went into your thinking about how to design the class, how did you? What were your thoughts on structuring the class? What did you know? Thinking about what were you trying mm-hmm. to to balance to expose them to? 
yeah, how, how did you structure the class? Well, the first thing I thought is, what have I learned from Daniel? <laughs> and I'm, I mean, that's no, a joke, but actually no. it's true because I didn't kind. know about these books till you start, we started doing the book club with podcasts. So oh, uh, I started looking back at the kind. podcast episodes and things we've used. So I know I wanted to use Bernard Suits, the grasshopper. Oh, he's book, so good. Yeah, yeah. Which the more I revisit it, the more I really love it. It's a hard book. So anyone out there, you know, just know it's it's kind of a book you have to dip into, step away from. But the more you come back to it, the more rewarding it is. So I, yeah. I used some excerpt. You, you can use a certain percentage of things in an educational classroom and not break copyright law okay. in the U.S. So I used just uh, the beginning and end chapter of that within the class. And then I had them get the McGonagall book, Reality is Broken. Because cool. I thought that was a really user-friendly book. And you introduced me to that one as well. So that gave us some materials to work with in terms of a discussion. Great. Because McGonagall, right. so, so I guess the larger themes are what are board games and why does it matter? Right. As well as history and defining. So, well, I guess defining is what. So what are board games? How did we get there? Why do they matter? Mm-hmm. And so that would be history, definition, but McGonagall, it seems to me, is really working with the why does it matter? And the whole bit of it is how can we use what works in games in real life? Yeah, yeah. Is that an emphasis that you tried to explore in, in the class too? Like, how can we apply gaming principles to life? Yes, yeah. and that's kind of the phase we're in now. So I thought, I would, vaguely, I thought of defining some history, different types of games, game mechanics, so they would see the ver- variety of games out there in terms of, what you're actually doing in the game. And then I wanted to think about how they impact our lives, which is kind of a a real theme of this podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how do we gamify life or what do we learn from games? What happens if we think of game as life as a game? How have games tried to teach? Mm -hmm. And and, um, as Monopoly has, as various other games, as Snakes and Ladders came out of elements of Hinduism and teaching about the difficulty of uh, living out Dharma. Right. So oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. Okay. Interesting. Huh. I could see that. Yeah, I could see it's, that. It's very easy to slide back down. So yeah, yeah there's right, a history right. there. So our, our, um, so, so you, so introduce them to these books, uh, grasshopper by Bernard suits, um, Life is Broken by Jane McGonagall. You get them thinking about, you know, how can we bring gaming principles to life, uh, how to apply them to, to life? Why do they matter? Um, I I noticed, and you may not be at this point, but I noticed in your syllabus also you brought in a book that was that we've not discussed and and was new to, was was new to me. Um, uh, Nietzsche's Zarathustra. Uh-huh. Um, and so would you mind just take, I mean, really intrigued by that. What, well, are, you, are you to that point yet in the class? And, and we are role? not. Okay. And this is, of course, uh, me. This was what I thought of three months ago. So it's a very okay. strange okay. thing to, right. the, and it may not work. And I'm no expert with Nietzsche, but he, you know, this is the, the 1800s. They are interested in art and aesthetics and exploration and, and play and games are kind of defining some of these things. What is art? What is, you know, what, what, what's going on with this? And, and Nietzsche tries to write an alternate gospel from mm. Christianity and religion. And Zarathustra there is kind of this childlike figure that approaches everything as play. Mm. So that's what I wanted mm. to get at is Interesting. up some excerpts from that and and how but i'm not sure there's anything in there where he actually plays a game okay but his whole approach to things are is very um childlike and playful and joyous okay okay so that was my hope is is what kind of things did if we gamify life is nietzsche suggesting some ways that might look okay Okay. Where maybe we're less anxious or more open to failure or more more open to be ourselves and less afraid of what other people think. 
right? Like if you play a game, you have to be willing to lose or look like an idiot, walk away and you're okay. Right, right, yeah. And that that's yeah. a pretty great lesson um, versus internalizing the failure or feeling like it makes you a bad person. Yeah. So the games, so I mean, so it sounds like on the one hand you have very specific texts about games and the role they can play in life. And then, yeah, maybe it's our two story, but in other areas as well, talking about just kind of general, more general theme of, of playfulness and play. Mm -hmm. And that kind of maybe gets into the question about the, as you were saying earlier, the, the why, um, mm -hmm. when you design the class and approach the class, do you have a, a why in mind already? Or are you, are you waiting to see how the why develops as you move on through, through the class? Like the why I games, why play? Why? Mm. Yeah, I think that's the bit that I'm still formulating, mm. which is a little secret again of higher ed that people that write books and things, it's because they taught the class a bunch and they came up with something and they they wrote lectures or outlines or ideas down. They tested them in class or gave papers on it. So it's been kind of tested out. And it helps them figure out sort of an argument or an idea and develop it. Right, right. So that's that's what I'm doing. No, I, I've got some ideas. Um, and back with uh, Adrian Adamescu, he was really hinting at kind of ways that we might think of God as a someone who has designed the world as a game. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So he hinted at some of that ideas of, of playfulness in that episode. So check that one out. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, but no, I've not formulated it. So this is very much a work in progress. It reminds me your reflections on, um, you know, I guess a couple of things. There's that old saying, you know, if, if you really want to learn something, teach it, you know, that they absolutely, that, yeah. Uh, which I hear you saying. And, and then also um, I may, I, I forget whether I mentioned Thomas Merton on this podcast before or not but thomas merton is a is a one of my most beloved authors um a trappist monk who passed away um in 1968 i believe um and um but just you know he just wrote uh abundantly copiously <laughs> and uh wrote wrote formal books of theology and reflection but also just kept these these journals journals upon journals upon journals and and I find I, I I enjoy those journals more than his than his oh, his formal writings. I didn't know about the journals. Yeah, yeah. Um, he just he wrote down everything, and and I think I don't know if he's the one that originated the quote, but at least he is known for saying, you know, that he writes to find out what he believes, mm -hmm. and uh, and I, I that certainly that's stuck with me, and I, I think I found that in my own life, um, you know, like when I. Um, one of the gifts of this job that I is I get to write a sermon every week, you know, and, and, um, and yeah, it can be burdensome and I complain about it more than I should probably too. But, but one of the gifts of that is that it kind of forces me to figure out what I believe every week, you know, and, and I, I hear, I hear you saying that as well, you know, that so, so writing, teaching, this is, it's a way not only for the students to learn, but, but, but for you as well to kind of, um, maybe crystallize your own thoughts and reflection on, yeah, on the subject. Yeah, you, yeah, you don't come to it as a, I mean, no one's an expert on anything, to be honest. Like everything yeah. is up for revision or examination or or uh, it just takes a couple of good questions to realize something is boneheaded or inappropriate or whatever. And and you don't know that without a conversation. Right, right. Um, and, and so, yeah, this is, this is a... I've tried to stake out an area that I that you and I both find interesting, but I'm not sure what's going to grow. If it's like a garden that we've staked out, but we're not quite sure how it's going to grow or what's mm. going to interact or intersect. And uh, and yeah, and with classes, it's even harder. It's really till the third time that you teach something that you really start to master it. Interesting, interesting. But then it gets weirder. I've found having taught for many years now, I guess 12 years or so, after a while, you know it so well, you end up kind of treating it cavalierly, like you don't, mm, mm -hmm. you end up making weird jokes or 
or interrogating in a way that's not useful because you're almost tired of it. So oh, there's almost yeah. a life cycle to it. You, you struggle through the book at first or the material. You don't know what's going on. You make a lot of mistakes. By the third time you get it, by the sixth time, you probably need to pick up something new because wow. you're kind of burned out on it and just having weird tangents. Right, I, right. I think that's why the old professors get into tangents because they're kind of, they're a little bored. But it's just easy to go back to what you know. I mean, there's bits... In books, I, I can visualize the page because I've had to look at it so much. Right. Interesting. Like I can see what's on that page already. How frequently does it happen when you're teaching a class? I guess especially a class you're familiar with, but I guess it could be a new class too. And I, I know this gets beyond just the specific class, but how frequently does it happen where a student will say something that it, it just feels like um, it opens up the window on a completely new area for you or, or, or it's almost like a like a revelation for you or like a, a new insight for you or a, a new learning for you does that happen oh yeah frequently? probably at least yeah. every two weeks yeah depends yeah. on the student yeah cool um and, and not that they're just lasting things but no it's really impressive when a student says something and you're like oh yeah i yeah. never thought about that way and it could be just putting two things together or, or seeing it a different way or bringing a different life experience. But yeah, no, that's the thrilling bit to see nice. them challenge you and, and, and knock you off your feet a little because you you're teaching them. So you're it's kind of like being the boxing coach. You're like, oh, you've defeated me. <laughs> Once I was the master, now I am the learner. So yeah, no, it, it, it's, it's really fun to see that. And you've probably, I mean, you've seen that in Bible studies, right? And oh, yeah. Moments yeah. of teaching in the church. Yeah, it's quite... Yeah. Exciting. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. For sure. No, that what I think that's a good that's a good testament to your what a good professor you must be. Yeah, I, don't that, know. I mean that you're I open try. to learning. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's that's wonderful. So yeah, and I like the uh, the Padawan the Padawan master learner yes. teacher thing reference. Good defeat me. Come good good Star Wars Star Wars reference yeah. there. Um That's right. I by the way, I'm I'm I want to be like a Kevin Taylor Padawan. I want to be like I want to be like I'm I'm, I'm learning I'm learning to inhabit well, this Kevin Taylor first universe. First stage is to become very lazy. <laughs> <laughs> Next week we'll work on grumpiness. That's a you think it's I, easy, but it's not. You really have to cultivate a entire life set of grumpiness. Oh, uh, I think I think I'm uh, well down those roads too already. Yeah, but then. Um, uh, so one of the challenges. Sorry, go ahead. Well, no, I was just gonna. I was gonna. I was gonna ask about the game lab, but 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 keep going. Yeah, where you going to say? No, that's where I was gonna go as well. It's good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to teach them games, and I realized it's gonna be tricky with the. It meets Monday, Wednesday, Friday for fifty minutes. So how do you teach and do a game in that time period? Yeah. And which yeah. games do you pick to sort of show them? Like I want to have a little fun, but I'm also it's a it's a class. So I want them to see different design and mechanism choices. Yeah. So, so you came with the idea of game lab. So walk us through, please. What, what does game lab, so if, game lab if, look if, like? Well, at some point I realized we should play games on Fridays. That would be kind of fun. Yeah. So that's how it started. Good way to end and, the week. And like a science class in the U.S., we often would have a, or even a, say a foreign language class, you might have instruction for two thirds of it. And then on your own, you had to go to do a lab where you actually did things. Or when we had foreign language back at Wake Forest in the early 90s, remember the language lab in the bottom of Tribble Hall and it had little headphones and you'd oh, listen? Oh, yeah, you yeah. Know, so that kind of experience. Yeah, yeah. So I, that's why I called it Game Lab, but it really was tricky to pick games. And yeah. there's a few that I wanted to play. Well, just because I needed something that we could teach and try to grasp without it, running out of time. And in so 50 minutes, that's that's a yeah, major time tricky. constraint for teaching and playing. Yeah. So pandemic, we had to do pandemic. It's yeah. just so, yeah. such an important game in the history of Western board gaming. Yep, yep. Or I guess international board gaming, let's be honest. So yeah, we had to play pandemic, but we didn't get very far um, and we just had to pack it up. Yeah. So pandemic is one. Uh, Dune Imperium mm -hmm. was one which is a great game and they could see all the different mechanisms. So you've got some 
you've got a race in terms of getting to the points first. You've got hand management. You've got worker placement. So there's three different, more than that going on in there. But it's also, I could see they were very um, confused. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It was one of those, tell me what to do uh, so I can take a turn and try to learn what's going on here. Yeah. The ones they really gravitated to were things like Secret Hitler mm-hmm. and Coup. Just because... So a simpler rule set. Simpler rule set, but it's fun. Like I think teenagers like that kind of thing where it's kind of like uh, Among Us, where there's a traitor, uh, hidden traitor. Of course, Among that, Us. Yes, yeah. yes. That kind of suspense and getting to play different roles, it makes them very socially comfortable. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Secret Hitler and Coup. We're uh, good, great for that. So those are some I tried. Um, Bonanza was a big hit. That's a fun one. That's a great game. Oh, it's good. It's I, it's good. I didn't until I saw this. I didn't realize what a fan of Bonanza you are. I'm a big fan of Bonanza too. That's mm-hmm. we need to play that sometime. So yeah, so they like Bonanza, but it, it was hard to teach in the time a constraints. Bit, and yeah. even I, the the rules it is kind of feels counterintuitive that yeah, you you can give them cards at one point, but you can't any other time. Right. 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 Like you can't mess the order of your hand except for when you're. So, yeah, that was good. Um, And King Domino trying to do the the Euro type game. Okay, good, good, good. Where where you're collect, you're you're having to build a little kingdom and you're looking for certain things and kind of drafting and placing them for thinking about points. And yeah. So you're thinking you're you're your parameters and trying to decide what games to play to introduce to the students in the game lab um, were, um, you know, is this something that we can at least get some experience of in 50 minutes with teaching? Mm -hmm. And then maybe were you trying to do, I hear you saying maybe, but correct me if I'm wrong, maybe exposing them both to games that are influential, that have been especially influential and important, but also uh, games that are representative of different mechanisms. Is that, is that I, kind to of the be thinking? honest? Was really going for the mechanisms. Okay. Okay. So okay. I would say pandemic and bonanza. I don't even is bonanza hugely influential. I'm not sure. I you know I have heard uh, it, it, this was years ago, but I I, I remember mm-hmm. watching watching a Dice Tower episode, which Dice Tower for our listeners who don't know is a, a a channel on YouTube which does board game reviews. And I remember one of their early episodes, they were they were just talking about how blown away they all were when they first played Bonanza. Like they were saying, mm-hmm. what? I can't change the order in my hand and just how revolutionary that was. So it seems like that had some maybe impact when it came out um, originally. Probably so. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, yeah. So I was really so going for mechanisms. game mechanisms. Yeah. Look at all yeah. the different ways games have flourished and different ways you play and and whether it is euro style where you're going for points and can't directly harm the other player or whether you're going more Ameritrash. We actually haven't done a lot of Ameritrash type things where you really are battling and rolling dice, but probably everyone knows that because everyone's played Monopoly. Right. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Are were there any games you played that it just... So you said that they really seem to resonate with the social deduction games. Yes. Uh, were there any games that just did that seemed like a miss, a miss like they just like uh, it just isn't working? And do you have any reflections on that? Like why maybe why some worked and why some didn't? I I think they've all worked. Okay, of course it'd be interesting to ask them, but I think they've all worked except for the time limit. And we've tr- we've tried a bit of scheduling maybe something out of class, but but it's it it's not worked out and. Uh, but that that probably would have been the better answer would be to set up two or three periods in the a night or a weekend where we've got a dedicated where we can really play a game. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. But so we did do Freedom, which is about the Underground Railroad. Right. And that was kind of neat, but it it's neat to see what it's doing. We I. I did not do a good job of process. Like we kind of played it and then we ran out of time and stopped. So I've not processed what they got from it, but it's a quirky game and I'm not sure it's that, I mean, no offense, but I don't know if it's a great game mechanically, but it's a great game in in terms of, I appreciate what it's trying to do. It's, 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 it's a good game for teaching 
something. Is that what I hear you saying? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Which is a, a theme we've we have visited here in the past. Actually, we're going to discuss more on our next episode as well. But stay tuned for that. Um, but so, freedom, I should say, too. I've only played like twice, so I can't. Okay. Okay. Actually, one. I've only played it through once. Okay. So I okay. should qualify that and say that I've not given it a fair chance. But it's not really a game that you just really want to play. Right. Thematically. Well, that it's hard. I mean, it's a hard theme. Is what is what that's I, right. We talked about that. It's that's, about slavery, and basically, some of the slaves are going to die. There's no way to, which I think is part of the point of the game. That the yeah the path to freedom is is there's a certain military aspect that you have to be willing to sacrifice some, you know, but they some some of the slaves have to die so that you can abolish slavery. Yeah, that's yeah. been my impression of it. And so it's a very unpleasant thing. So we play these war games. You don't think about soldiers and stuff, but this, this, because of the theme right. and the cruelty of it. So the, 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 you've got slave catchers and they move when they, the slaves, when they see the slaves. Mm. Reminds me of our conversation we had with Dan Thoreau a couple episodes back that we just mm. started to touch on about game as, as art. Um, and, 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 I may mentioned another book related to this Rafe Coster's a theory of fun for game design, but just, you know, the more, the more we see games as art, as saying something, the more it brings up questions like that. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing at all for it to be, but it reminds me of like, you know, there's certain movies that your, your comment about your experience of playing freedom reminded me of this, you know, there's certain movies that I've watched and that I've heard, I've heard similar experience in others where they say, you know, I'm glad I watched that. That's important to watch, but I don't mm-hmm. want to watch it again. Cause it's, it was so, it was such a difficult emotional journey. I think like, like Schindler's list or dead man walking or, you know, and I'm sure there are more contemporary examples, mm-hmm. but, but movies that deal with important themes and say something important and it's important to see them and yeah, watch them, absolutely. but you're not going to watch them over and over again because it's such an emotional journey. And, and I wonder if, yeah, I wonder if I hear you saying that maybe as games become more and more like art, if, or seen as art, recognized as art, if maybe that same uh, dynamic can be applied to certain games as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I think that that's a niche of all art is to challenge us and make us think and, yeah, and yeah. to, um, and we're seeing that in board games. We're seeing people creatively, explore themes that might um, play with preconceptions or get us to learn something. So Cole Worley is the guy that would come to mind as, as most exemplifying that, that I've seen. Right. So right. for my birthday, what I want is to get John company second edition. Cause that just, I've heard that's really so good. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he's, he's exploring East India trade company and colonialism. Um, mm, mm. So mm. yeah, yeah. I th- there's a real, um, there's a real place for learning. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so you, which is you, why I sympathize with the Victorians because they, even though maybe they weren't always doing games that were teaching rich moral lessons, they did see that possibility and they wanted to use games in that way. Mm, so that right, impetus right. is not wrong. Right, right. But, and I think, yeah. go ahead. That's all. Yeah. 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 To some extent, as as I understand it, my limited understanding of modern board game history. Yeah. uh, uh, At least some of the roots of board games as a commercial enterprise really do find their roots in Victorian era England. And and you're right. And those those were, as I think you probably know more more about than I do, but those were games that were often envisioned as a way of, yeah, of teaching morals and ethics to the players and yeah, yeah and part of it is that was an excuse for adults to play games like mm. you were you know it's okay right. to play a game with your child that teaches them something right right which we're otherwise still... you're it, you're not supposed to be doing that yeah so that's it's kind of where games are still considered for children right and that happened right. in america as well yeah an attitude where perception we're still kind of still around to some extent. Yeah. Today. I mean, board games yeah. and target and places are with the kids toys yeah. and yeah. Walmart too, yeah. which yeah. is fine, but it just, yeah, we think of it as a, a kid's hobby, but then you get uh, stunning 50 year old men like you and I um, 
walking through <laughs> examining the games and people are like whoa if cool people like them oh are interested gosh. in board games i could do i could play them too the autographs i've had to give out which is is, just, is yeah i i i have i've never heard anyone say but that's what i would <laughs> That's in my head. That's what I imagine. Why do they want me to sign Pandemic? I didn't design it. I don't get it. But I'm like, sure, whatever, kid. Hey, there's and that I guy. I got a little Barbie bicycle and I bike off <laughs> to the store. Beep, beep. <laughs> there goes that guy who's the co-host and the guest on Board Game Faith. That's we got to get he his. He can ride a bicycle. And he can ride a bike. A yeah, little child. Yeah, yeah. that's 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 kind of like the Shriners do with their the little Kevin Taylor cars. universe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Little hat. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, really, I love it. I love it. I know. I, I want to do that. Actually, I should join the Shriners. We should do. Uh, let me know. Fez hats and little cars, raising money yeah, for children's things. hospitals. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I have. I have a, a Fez hat right here. Do actually, you? our video viewers can. Uh, can oh my can, There you go. How there did you go. get that? Um, I think we got this. I think our kids got this. I think it was back when we were into when we're still into to some extent as a family into doctor who but uh especially during the the matt smith years when matt smith was doctor mm-hmm. who uh, was playing doctor who he um he would occasionally wear a fez and he had a line that fezes are are cool or something like that uh-huh. or, or, or no bow ties are cool but he also wore fezes and i think he said okay i think he said fezes were cool as well and so um so we invested in a fez because um we get all of our definitive statements on coolness from TV shows about time travel. Right. Because they know uh, they're from they, the future. They they know it's time tested. If the trend is going to continue or not. Right. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And although we don't see evidence yet, clearly it's gonna happen. It's coming. So might as well get ahead of the curve. It's coming. Twenty fifty seven, everyone's wearing a fez. <laughs> don't get left out, folks. <laughs> Only have what thirty four years to prepare. Um, that's right. Um, so so uh, so you mentioned process not having time to process the games. That was what I was wondering about. It's my next question. So so you you we, you have these classes where you talk about um, game theory and books and why and where and, and then you, you have the game lab where people where the students experience it. And then what do you do? You invite them to to process, reflect on their experiences of playing games and, and or is there not have time for that in like even outside of the class or how, what is there a next step then to that? Yeah, I think one thing I could do is have them rank the games, which one, and we've done that a little unofficially, but it, it, it was interesting how some really liked the King Domino one student like okay. the King Domino because it's just sort of very soothing. Yeah. And the others like the coup because they just sort of in your face and getting to so getting them to talk about which ones they really liked and why yeah so i think that's yeah. an element the kate mcgonigal the rowdy is broken is really interesting to so that that because we're having a book discussion that gets them engaged and talking yeah yeah uh, but but and hopefully this last phase of the class which is well, I guess it's the phase we're still in, which is how how do we learn from games to be either more religious or more authentically human or both? Yeah. And and um and we've done a little with magic circles, and I still feel like there's more to it. But so I have a lot of spidey sense things going off, but I'm not sure how to formulate it. But um, that well, that's kind of the end goal of this. Well, I really want to affirm you, you're doing this. I, I have some more questions, but just before I forget, I, I want to mm-hmm. affirm well, the importance of what you're doing because, I mean, I think we've talked about this before, both I think on the podcast, but also offline, you and I, Kevin, that, you know, this conversation about games and play and religion and spirituality and what it means to be human, it's not something that a lot of people are talking about or or that a lot has been a lot of books have been written about or research has been done into or reflection has been on. And, and so, you know, in some ways you're kind of, um, you're kind of having to kind of invent the airplane as you're flying in some ways. And, and I mean, certainly there are resources like grasshopper and McGonagall and, but I, I, I think your teaching classes like this and, and other people out there might be doing the same, you know, teaching like this, you're really propelling this conversation forward 
that hasn't really been propelled forward very much. And so I, I think you're, you are um, really helping this, this whole larger conversation by doing classes mm, like this. That's so kind of you. Thank, thank you. you. No, I'm, I'm trying. I, I don't know how much I'm helping, but I'm trying. No, no, I, I, if, if I were in North Carolina, I'd take the class. It sounds, it sounds, it sounds mm. great. Well, I, so uh, thinking about, you know, trying to kind of where the students end up in this class and where the class ends up, I, I saw in the syllabus that near the end, you know, you ask them to do final presentations and may I ask a little bit about that. I mean, I, I assume Maybe not a lot of work has been done on that yet, but yeah, like that, it's it's the idea of doing a, some sort of a final project. And I'm trying to remember how I phrased that in the syllabus, but that they would do some kind of um, wait. Do, do I have a final? Pro- I think I'm. Well, maybe I maybe I misphrased that. Let me. I want to look it up too. Just a moment. No, here. I think you're right. Uh, I, I am asking them to do some research in something they're interested in. So, and part of it is the nature of this junior seminar that they'd go and do some research. Oh, they have to and present it. So I forget if it's that presentation or I that see. they've got a final project of some sort. <clears throat> okay. I mean, yeah. Is, well, this is on the last day of class. It just says final presentations. Well, I, I mean, I'm just going to be brutally honest. Sometimes you sketch these things out and then you, <laughs> right. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of a work of fiction, especially in a class I've never done before. Right. So, um, and it might be, I use that as a time to sort of reflect on what they've learned or favorite things or favorite games, like I was saying. So I'll have to figure something out. So it's very, it's very much a, 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 uh, yeah. I understand. It's an, it's a rough outline and then we'll see how, how it goes when we get there. Yeah. I understand. In terms of the class. I plan out my, in theory, I plan out my sermons for the year, and I kind of put them put them on a on a spreadsheet, and then, and and yeah. and people will come out, and rightly so, they'll say, you know, what were you thinking for this Sunday coming up next month? And the truth is, I, I really have no idea, <laughs> except for just the little thing I jotted down on my planner, you know. But yeah, it's just a placeholder in some ways. Yeah, it is yeah. a placeholder. And if this were a more traditional class with a textbook, we yeah. would just go straight through the book. Like it's very clear. So part of this is I'm I'm not used to designing a a class that is somewhat a, an experiment or a, a collection of things. So in ter- trying to find resources and how we do it, uh, this is, I'm, I'm a noob to it, which is yeah. fine. I mean, you got to start somewhere Yeah, well, and figuring out, but no one has a textbook on this and type things. So. Exactly. This, this is, this is, um, this is your pioneer. This is new territory oh, right. and we need to write that, Board game faith book we've been talking, which you're already working on it. You're already working on it. Yes, um, yes. I just need to help faith. you. The book, the book. Um, so, Board kind of game a faith, the game. The, oh, I'm gonna be Daniel. <laughs> no, <laughs> insta lose. <laughs> I'm gonna be Daniel. Rule number you lose. one. <laughs> <laughs> Collector's edition includes Murphy the dog. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. Um, so, so um, halfway through the game, you have to run an errand. If that's you right, Kevin. You have to just do a random errand for your children. Or something. <laughs> like, go pick a child up from swim team or something. That would be that'd be awesome. That'd be, oh, oh, and then to leave the you have to leave the premises and come back in twenty minutes. And then you have to like trek across the country in an electric vehicle to yes, and, and then and then yes. come back. And, yeah, yeah, and then come back. Um, so maybe final set of questions for you. We talked about what you're, we talked about the class and game lab and kind of what kind of hope we were the students may be going. So what about you? So like, what, what are things that you have learned from this class? What are your reflections on it? Um, one thing is that I enjoy being around teenagers and it's really oh. neat to be in a setting where, I don't know, there's a certain games bring out a sort of teasing and a camaraderie, even though there's a little bit of a power bit because there's yeah. a grade and I have to issue it. And I don't, you know, grades are kind of dumb and I hate to do it, but you do have to kind of do something because right. that's just the way the system is. Right. But it is neat. It really breaks down that that 
sage on the stage, as they joke, that, that we're engaged in a certain way and we're creating and, and it, it feels, um, yeah, it's really nice. It's really nice to connect with them. Like they're, they're, they're good people and good kids. And, um, I, it, really, yeah. it sounds like it kind of humanizes nice. each other in both directions, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's yeah, really absolutely. cool. It is, it is humanizing. That's a great way to put it. So that's one thing I've, I've, I can take away. Another bit is that it's really just nice to learn something and then actually do it. And you can't do that with other classes necessarily, like theology or philosophy or something. I, hmm. uh, I guess if you were learning Greek for the New Testament and you translate it, maybe that works. But so many things in teaching with religion, you don't, you know, some things lend themselves to actually doing. And that's right. pretty neat. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, I could see I could see that that in a lot of religion classes you can't you can't really have a lab or or maybe the practice of missions or service or things like that. But but in a lot of cases you know, not necessarily one, so. One guy I met, an older guy, retired pastor, he said in seminary they did a for one of their classes, they had to spend twenty four hours on the streets. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Like they had to survive for twenty four hours and ten bucks. Which wow. you know wouldn't happen today with liability. I mean it's kind of scary, but they wow. had to sort of see what it's like to be homeless was wow. I, I don't remember the what the class was. It might have been social problems or something. But yeah, yeah I mean That's they, there's an example of how to make that happen. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if you're doing a class on different religions and you can visit them, that would be pretty neat. Yeah, 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 that's true. Um, but but not every topic lends itself to that. So it just depends on the material. But uh, yeah, it's, it's fun. It's also fun to explore things with students and, and you do learn. So I guess that's the final takeaway is it's just a great way to learn is to teach and also to prepare and to be forced. I mean, that's what we're doing here in this podcast, right? Like we prepare, but we learn from each other and learn from feedback from people. Right. So it's pretty great. Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. That we, the, the growth in learning and knowledge in the area and, and experience with the area is, is, is a collaborative effort between you and your mm-hmm. students and you're right. Certainly, it's been the case with this podcast too. We've um, collaborative. Yeah, that's right. We've heard so many good things from listeners and feedback that have and have taught taught us a lot, and guests who have taught taught us a lot. And um, I mean, it's, it's how Socrates did stuff, right? Yeah. He's like, well, what do you mean by that? And they would just have. A, I mean, Socrates didn't really. He just. I mean, he had ideas, but he yeah. formulates it through a dialogue. So yeah, yeah, that's a deep way of learning. I think, you know, especially in your class, but I think what we're trying to do in this podcast too, but I think in your class too, is there's this sense that there is a, there is something to, there's, there's something bigger and maybe even transcendent about the role of play and games in, in life and faith in, in the world of the spirit and the soul. And because that's not something that has been talked about a lot in the past, it's hard to know where to begin that conversation and what to say. But what I see, especially in that class and what we're trying to maybe do in our own small fumbling ways in the podcast is just to try to have that conversation nonetheless in the hopes that as the conversation progresses, there will develop a clearer picture of what mm-hmm. that bigger, more transcending meaning is. Does that seem absolutely fair? Absolutely. Yeah. I think that seems yeah. really fair. So thanks for helping me out, bro. Well, thanks for, thanks for sharing, Kevin. It was great to, um, to have you as our special guest today. Um, uh, Kevin, any other final questions? No. For no. your, or for the guest? Okay. All no. right. Besides, um, what's coming up, Daniel? Oh, I'm so excited about what's coming up. So, so dear, dear listeners, uh, dear listeners, and dear maybe viewers on on who are watching this, uh, if on some video component as well, we are having some amazing guests coming up, and in, and it started with today, 
because today we welcome the amazing Reverend Dr. Kevin Taylor to talk about reflections on teaching a class on, on, uh, on board games, uh, game theory and religion. Next episode, next episode, we are welcoming uh, another of my favorite uh, podcast hosts. Next episode, we are welcoming uh, uh, Mandy Hutchinson from Salt and Sass podcast, a great podcast that she co-hosts with Suzanne um, Sheldon. And Mandy's going to be um, revisiting with us a, a, a subject from one of our more popular episodes, Board Games That Teach. This is Board Games That Teach 2, um, the sequel, The Return. Uh, this episode was more about how do you how do you teach about board games and religion? Uh, we touched a little bit on board games that teach in, around freedom. This is going to be the subject of the entire episode next, next episode. How can we use board games to teach? Because in, besides being a podcast host, Mandy is also a teacher. And so we, mm. we really look forward to sharing that conversation um, with her. And then after that, the next episode, episode 27, uh, we are going to be welcoming uh, Takuya Ono. Takuya Ono is a, um, a Buddhist abbot um, who, um, at his temple um, in, in Japan, um, uh, regularly hosts a board game uh, playing plays for pilgrims of the people who visit who visit his temple. And so we're going to be talking with him about kind of where he sees both the intersection of board games and Buddhism, but also specifically the role of, of board games in his ministry there. And that's just going to be amazing as well. And mm. I just, I'm so, oh, I'm so thankful for all of these amazing people and conversations and, and, and listeners, you are among those amazing people. Um, you are part of this conversation and we, we thank you so much for being a part of this community. You are making it better. You are, you are propelling this conversation forward. Um, uh, and uh, we just thank you. We, we um, mm -hmm. thank you for, for devoting part of your time and energy uh, to this community. We are so appreciative of you. We've got a newsletter coming out every other week. So yep. subscribe to that through info at boardgamefaith.com. Just shoot us an email and tell us you want to subscribe. And we are on Instagram, boardgamefaith. Appreciate Daniel. Thank, thank you, Kevin. It's great to talk with you. And we'll, we'll see you all later on. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.